Hello, and welcome to episode number 58 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Fairway Jay. We run down all the big bets, all the big news, everything that is happening in the world of these sports books and DFS companies, a little bit of poker here and there as well. Guys, we are on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Podcasts, so you can find us anywhere that you listen to your podcast on the Twitter machine at the lines us at play picks us so we are ready to rock and roll here brett let's kick things off with your beloved hockey nhl stanley cup our guy that did not hedge his 400 251 250 to 1 bet got paid off listen i'm happy for the guy don't get me wrong i'm happy for the guy but to our listeners hedge that shit man seriously yeah, well, we talked about it last week. He missed an opportunity to hedge and for value after, well, uh, after game five going into game six. But uh, I got to respect the play. I mean, I, I guess he just kind of went for it. He went with his gut, with his beloved St. Louis Blues, and it paid off. What did you guys think of the coverage? I felt like it just it was just way, way too much. It was coming from all angles. And by the by game seven, I was just sick of it. Oh, just hearing about the bet in itself. Yeah, I mean, it was everyone latched on to it. Right. And then, of course, we know that, you know, Ravel is just basically taking it to the next level, like riding on airplanes with the guy to come cash the ticket and and, and all that. I mean, I guess, Jay, if we look at it, I mean, I guess it's just one of those feel good stories because it is a person turning a very little sum of money in in four hundred dollars into two hundred and fifty to one. Of course, on this podcast, we talk about, you know, some of the massive bets that we hear about all the time you know these guys lay in the 150k and different things like that and so you know look a 400 dollars bet i guess that's why we're getting a bunch of mainstream coverage on this and plus really this is kind of that weird time in sports where there's not a lot of not, not right. a whole lot to talk about anyway so this kind of probably is is taking a little more of a front seat than it normally would because there's there's just not a ton to talk about in the sports world yeah i think when espn i, I had heard potential that he, he's a Missouri grad, the guy who placed the bet. And there's some uh, connections maybe with some people in Bristol at ESPN with, with Missouri as well. And they caught on to what he had made as a bet. And I, I think it's I think it's good coverage and, and interesting coverage and in how it played out, because we we cover a lot of the big bets and a lot of the big bets are sometimes on these huge favorites at lesser odds. And they're making gigantic uh, laying gigantic numbers. And this was a, a like uh, Brett said, it's a feel good story. And it um caught wind and the fact that he wasn't hedging was making bigger news and certainly uh, back to how the impact of sports betting and legalization is impacting i i don't think we would have got a story like this if you know over a year ago had had we not suddenly been up with the legal aspects of sports betting this was placed in vegas in fact he came out here and just cashed it the other day but there wasn't as much coverage about his friend who had two hundred dollars to collect fifty thousand but they came out here and collected it together and um i you know i like to see stories like that and, and it does create conversation, and especially when you start talking about how um, professionally, anyway, most of us would have hedged off in the right spots to at least secure a profit. But it's a good story, and there will be plenty more of those, I think, in the future. The odds for next season already out everywhere. At Westgate, Tampa Bay is your favorite, 6-1. to one. The Golden Knights at 7-1. to one. we got Boston, Toronto, Colorado at 10-1. to one. 
and then St. Louis there at 14 to 1. Brett, what do these odds mean to you? They don't mean anything to me because <laughs> I do not start handicapping NHL. Oh, never mind, ever. So this these odds mean nothing to me. Is this something you would have expected? Yeah, well, especially the Golden Knights in Vegas at 7 to 1. We uh, we spoke with Jeff Sherman at Westgate last week and he said there really hasn't been a whole lot of action on these futures so far, but the early liabilities are on the Golden Knights and then the Rangers and the Avalanche. And you, you see a discrepancy already on the price on the Golden Knights in Nevada, in Nevada and New Jersey. They're 10 to 1 in in most books in New Jersey. So, I mean, if you're in Nevada, you're just not going to find a good price on the Golden Knights, especially off the strip in Vegas where the local money is going to be piling in. But, yeah, the, the, not surprising at all to see the Lightning at 6-1. to one. They were the huge favorites going into uh, the, the playoffs this year and were uh, stunned in a sweep by Columbus, but uh, fully expect them to bounce back. But, I mean, the question is, will there be – another long shot i mean the past two years we saw the golden knights two years ago we saw the blues come back from the basement mid-season this year at 250 to 1 300 to 1 at some books will there be that long shot coming this season and you know you kind of have to look at the bottom of the, the list here to to try and find find one jay how long are we going to let brett do this podcast and say uh nevada instead of nevada how long it, are is, we no- him- <laughs> it is nevada correct but that's okay. We'll get him. He, he, he's got it clear now. We're, we're only 58 uh, episodes in where he's continued to do that. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's okay. Maybe, maybe by episode 100. Yeah, maybe by episode 100 we can get you to actually say it correctly. I've been well, saying Nevada my whole life. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if one podcast is going to change. I'll, I'll try to remember, though. The Jersey Shore. I'm a New Jersey. Um, yeah, we've seen, we've seen some of these kind of, you know, last year I think um, – the discrepancy in the odds certainly has impacted regionally. We saw the Giants um, taking a lot of bets, and their odds were significantly less uh, because of the legalized sports betting that came out there, and people were pounding and betting on the Giants, and that didn't work out. So it's always advised, obviously, to shop. But again, you're, you know, we, we promote sports betting, but the reality is there's a, there's a high percentage of hold on the futures, and there's little to no value, in, especially in these in these teams that are favorites. And you get to the NBA and you got a three to one favorite now. We're going to talk about that on the L.A. Lakers. And there's I mean, my gosh, that's those aren't those are not wise wagers, at least in my book. Um, the percentage of hold or the money the bookmaker households after all bets have been settled. That's what the hold is. And it's a very high percentage and you're not going to make much money. I I, I don't play many futures unless I, I and if it's going to be it's going to be a longer one. But I like to do some in game. And I did that in the US Open. And I've done that a, a couple seasons ago in the Philadelphia Eagles after a good start. But you're still betting, you know, maybe a team that's 30 or 40 or 50 to one that's come down a little bit that you now are seeing and having success versus betting on teams that are three, four, five, six, seven to one. The Vegas Golden Knights are going to be good, I think, again next year. But still, um, those those numbers adjust on a slow start. You're going to see their odds go up. And uh, I think you do want to look down the board if you're betting these and find a team that's going to potentially make some trades and maneuvers and have their odds move and hopefully get a better number from the start. We'll talk about some of this stuff and more here in a little bit. We will have Jay Rude on the podcast. Jay Rude, several, several years as a vice president of race and sports over at MGM Books. He did step down a little bit ago and was not on the market for long, has found himself a place where he will be soon. And we'll talk to him about that. So you'll want to stick around for that interview. 
on the podcast here. So U.S. Open, Jay, you just mentioned the U.S. Open. Gary Woodland, 80-1 to pre-tournament at Westgate over there to win the thing, 40-1 to right before, uh, I mean, right after the uh, first round went down, then 5-1 to after the third round there. But uh, Gary Woodland is your winner. One guy had a $500 bet on Woodland at that 80-1 to price, so that is a very nice payoff for this fella. You said you got down in-game on the U.S. Open. I assume that means you got down on Gary Woodland. Yes, I played him halfway through as the 36-hole leader. I um, I missed out. He dropped down to 40-1 to one after round one, and I was busy, and I don't have um, – I, I definitely play and have some accounts um, through mobile, but I didn't have one – um, that had the odds adjusting. A couple of them weren't adjusting and posting them. So I did go over, though, at uh, Westgate, got over there late, made a play on Woodland. Pretty good one and, and hit it. Um, I, you know, I, I try to watch as much as I can statistically, but how guys are performing. And I think Woodland's another good example of he was certainly an overlay and I missed him. Um, and it also kind of shows how we talk about the statistical profiles. You know, he's like 169th or 170th in scrambling, and they talked about scrambling was going to be a key metric to uh, pay attention to at the, this year's U.S. Open. And, of, of course, the U.S. Open, you have to hit it straight, and his driving has been good, and you're, you're going to use more irons than drivers at, at Pebble Beach, and all of that was in place. But his putting as well has held him back for years. It's been poor. It's definitely improved. But, uh, you know, it's a, and, and it's, a, it's just a good example of how difficult it is to hit the these winners but there are value plays on the board and Woodland was one of them I mean he was an overlay comparatively to some of these other golfers that were 20 to 30 to 40 to 1 he certainly has been a proven player just hasn't been able to win as much and certainly hadn't won a major but I thought he was looking good and I thought he should have been very possibly the favorite he was the third choice they still had McElroy and Rose in there and Rose obviously was contending all the way and then Kepka. I mean we talked on the show last week there were a few guys that came through and made uh, top finishes I thought Fitzpatrick is a long shot was in there he finished tied for 12th but I didn't think Kepka would you know perform as well and the guys that clearly you know maybe the best player in the game right now and came on the weekend and was just dynamic again but uh, Woodland did cash for me anyway uh, at a lesser price but five to one at the 36 hole leader and that was good enough U.S. Open was not kind to me. Uh, I had a bunch of head-to-heads with Dustin Johnson who faded there on Sunday I had a bunch of uh, futures bets, none of which were Gary Woodland. I got down in game on Brooks Kepka at a pretty what I thought to be uh, pretty good. I mean, I got him at eight and a half heading into Sunday yes. there, and um, you know, uh, heading into if you give me a final round eight and a half to one of Brooks Kepka running down Gary Woodland, I think that happens more than eight and a half times in, uh, to one if that were the case. And he had his opportunities for sure. Gary Woodland did not run away with it on Sunday. He just didn't lose it, and nobody came and got him. Uh, Brett, as you were watching there on. Sunday. How did you feel about old Gary Woodland? How did you feel about Kepka? Did you feel kind of like there was a point for me when Kepka got within one where I was like, this thing's over. Kepka is about to is about to steamroll this thing. I felt the same. I think Kepka birdied three of his first four holes and you're thinking like, all right, well, I think Rufus Peabody was like, uh, you know, the odds of Kepka winning now are 100 percent. I mean, he was joking, but that that's how you felt at the time. You're like, how is this guy going to lose? But Got to give it to Gary, man. I mean, he he showed that he's a big game player. I mean, he's he's been in these positions before, just kind of uh, fell off in the past, but he held it together. And I, I went into this tournament, and it, Woodland wasn't really on 
my radar because of the poor scrambling. You knew going into this that scrambling was going to be such a huge factor, and um, he was fantastic. Uh, and he he putted well. He made some really fortunate chips and putts there late on on Saturday. Uh, and that that's that really was the difference. Looking here at the British Open odds, no shock at all that Brooks Kepka is your favorite. Whenever you look at what this guy just does in majors, that is going to be the way that these betting odds shape out. I mean, as we look at DraftKings and FanDuel and even over at BetStars, seven to one for Brooks Kepka to take down the British Open here. Jay, you know, Brett and I have talked several times about when we're betting kind of these these futures and these outrights on golf. We tend to like to to pick the the longer shots because, you know, I mean, listen, golf is kind of volatile. You can really just have one bad round and get yourself out of contention. And, you know, it's certainly great to cash one of those 20 plus 20 plus to one longer shot tickets on these things. But you just look at what Brooks Kepka has been doing over the last couple of years. And I don't know, man, I might for the first time ever put some money down on the shortest odds because I, I just, the guy gets out there and nothing phases him. Nothing rattles him. He can play a stretch of three bad holes where it would sink most players and he, it just water off a duck's back. It does not bother this guy in the least bit. And he ends, he, you know, he, he's going to enter the British open as the betting favorite for sure. He is right now. You mentioned the FanDuel seven to one there. Rory McIlroy's eight and a half. Tiger Woods actually uh, plus nine fifty. I'm I'm looking, and these have adjusted recently. I think Tiger was higher before, um, and then you follow Dustin Johnson. But I, I agree, Kepka's right now playing the best of anyone. But I I hearken back to. Um, back to the venues and when you get to the open championship it is a different place to play and link style golf <clears throat> makes many a players especially some of the americans have struggled at times and we'll see i you know kepka i've got a, I, I played royal port rush in the 90s and i have to go back and kind of look at all of the places i played and remember the course a little bit but i'll be doing a, little, a lot of studying on on um what to expect there. It's going to be quite an environment there in Northern Ireland, especially for someone like Royer McElroy, who's from there. I think we remember when Tommy Fleetwood got just tremendous support when he played in England at the Open a handful of years ago and was bet and bet and bet some more, but couldn't deliver. McElroy a little different. He's had success in his um, won four majors and plays well in those tournaments. So it's it's back to, yes, Kepka um, at these, uh, there's little value in the odds, and he's playing the best but now you got to go and look at how is he performing, especially at an open championship where uh, you got either at seaside links or you got that style of golf course and, and how's it going to set up. But clearly over the last number of majors, he's proven over and over again that he can play all styles and all types of courses and has the game, all around game to compete at the top. By the time you listen to this podcast, actually, you know what? You are one of our loyal listeners that listens to the podcast as soon as it hits your machine. So guess what? We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA draft that is going on as we speak, essentially, here as we record this on a Thursday. Brett, NBA draft is, you know, it's typically something that I have not bet on. If I were out in New Jersey, however... Might be something that I would get down on just for the fact of the sheer volume of ways that you can play the NBA draft this year. I mean, the amount of bets available at FanDuel and DraftKings is crazy. 
Yeah, it's awesome. And it, it goes way beyond just the first overall pick. I mean, which which looks like a lock at this point, right? I mean, Zion Williamson will be drafted number one overall uh, on Thursday. And he's minus 8,000 on FanDuel and minus 10,000 on DraftKings, which means if you place a $100 bet on Williamson to go number one, you get a dollar back if, if it hits. So it's nice to see that some of these books like DraftKings and PointsBet uh, are going above and beyond with some of these uh, with some of these markets. I mean, the DraftKings you can bet on the number of international players drafted in the top ten. You can bet on matchups. You can bet you know PJ Washington versus Tyler Harrow. Who's going to get drafted first? The the Kentucky players there. You can bet on the odds of each of the you know the first five picks in the first round. There's so many different options uh, to make it a more interesting night really than just the number one overall pick. So, I mean, uh, I think once we get past Zion, that that's when it really starts to get interesting with some of these betting markets in New Jersey. Jay, if I were going to give anybody a bit of advice on betting this, if you want to bet these picks, I would say get your bets in fairly early because apparently they are not restricting the guys this year on when they can start tweeting out who when the picks are going down i saw uh, mark stein last night go ahead and just put out the first three picks of the draft i mean i he, he basically <laughs> he basically said listen it is definitely going to go uh zion morant and then barrett and then from there the fourth pick is really the only thing that's, that that things can get dicey here so i don't know how quickly they're going to shut down these uh these bets so if you're if you're looking to do it i would probably do it sooner as opposed to later because uh if these these guys always want to be first with with these tweets and whatnot and i imagine these sports books are going to be pretty pretty conservative when it comes to this yeah i'm going to be interested to see what kind of volume they get ultimately i mean i think as well like brett said that it's it's i think it's great that the fan duel and DraftKings and and points bet they're putting these propositions out there i'm staring at the screen and looking at some of these i'm i'm certainly not the one to rely on for expertise when it comes to draft because i don't study at night um i'm i'm looking at chemistry issues once the, the the teams come together and how they're performing come the season but um i don't care as much about the draft. but i'm looking at some of this and you know first to be drafted they've got you know kentucky players you got pj washington tyler harrell Keldon johnson and you can bet on which, of course, uh, the favorite being P.J. Washington, minus 180. You can bet on anything like that. Top tens, how they're going to come uh, and be drafted. The over under number posi- uh, draft position. And so um, if you're studying and really in tune, you have an opportunity to uh, maybe take advantage of some of the early reporting that's out there. And like you said, they're going to shut some of this down because it's going to be announced uh, sooner than, than later. And I think um, – if, if, you, if you're really on top of it and studying, there's good opportunities. I'm more interested in ultimately what will be the response overall to these type of props. Yeah, it looks like the fourth overall pick is where you can where it really kind of gets dicey a little yes. bit here. So over at DraftKings, you can get uh, you know the fourth overall pick here. Several guys where you know plus 100, plus 135, plus 350. RJ Barrett then at plus 700. So. Uh, fourth pick is where this kind of is going to get interesting tonight. And, you know, I don't know. I uh, I like to follow along with this as well, Jay, and I'm very interested to see what kind of handle they get on this as well. I mean, college basketball is certainly very popular on the East Coast over there, so maybe a little bit more action than you would even get out here in Vegas on something like this. But, Brett, the big news in the NBA Pretty much dwarfing the the draft here is the fact that Anthony Davis did get moved from New Orleans to the L.A. Lakers. That instantly 
made them the betting favorites across the industry. This was something that if you were reading the tea leaves, maybe if you were a super sharp, you could have gotten down at much, much better odds on the Lakers a little bit earlier. You knew they were not going to sit idly by. You knew they were going to make some sort of move. If it wasn't Anthony Davis, it was going to be Jimmy Butler. It was going to be someone like that. Maybe Kawhi Leonard, something along those lines. But those numbers are long, long, long gone. You are never even going to see these numbers ever again because they are going to continue to add to this Lakers team as well. Man, it's been a lot to digest, and the season just ended. Back on May 6th, when Westgate opened the 2020 futures, the Lakers were 20 to 1. They were the same as the Raptors at 20 to 1. The Knicks were 16 to 1. And then here we are, five weeks later, the, the Lakers are 3 to 1, and the Knicks are 50 to 1. That's how quickly things can change in the NBA, and it's only going to get more muddled here over the next few weeks as we speculate the landing spots of more than a dozen key names that are going to impact the outcome of the season. It really all begins with the Lakers and this AD move and and what they're going to do uh, to fill out this roster because at this point, it's just kind of a mess. If you're looking at how this shakes out as we sit here on a June 20th here it is the Lakers plus 350 Bucks plus 500 Raptors plus 750 Warriors plus 800 Rockets at 800 76ers at a thousand and then the Nuggets there at 1200 Jay Mike Conley got moved that got the Jazz down from plus 4000 to 2500 I actually think this makes this Jazz team Pretty interesting, to be honest with you. I mean, pretty good backcourt there now for this Jazz team. And, you know, listen, we're going to see these odds, I'm sure, get, get shake up a lot after tonight's draft because I think a lot of people might get just a little bit uh, – they'll get to get exposed to the NBA again. A lot of people probably not thinking about the NBA very much in the days leading up to the draft, but then after the draft and there's going to be so much coverage and so much – maybe they even watch it or something. I imagine there'll be a little bit of handle kind of thrown on some of these futures tonight. I don't think there's any question about that, and there'll be, there'll be plenty of interest as it follows. Back to betting on the futures, Brett pointed out that the Lakers – um, just over a month ago, or twenty to one, and and if you're betting these, you have to be able to speculate some point and and try as best you can for value. I just can't imagine. Certainly, you won't see me betting an NBA future here at eight. Rockets eight and a half or late certainly Lakers at three to one or three and a half to one. Those I mean you've lost not only the best number but just the 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 media coverage and the the amount of potential interest in and in how things shake out. You're just not getting good prices now to, to make those plays. But I think if you're going to evaluate how the draft plays out, you definitely want to watch the moves and how they play because a move to the Jazz with um, Conley going there certainly improves their team. And you have to look at how it's going to shake and balance. But the, the one player to come over like Anthony Davis to join LeBron, there's just not going to be much depth right now behind them. They don't have much cap space to make uh, some additions that they may want. So you have to kind of follow that. But in terms of betting it and looking for a future, I just the Lakers are just, to me, a very bad bet right now. And there's a lot of coverage about how they're going to be so strong. And we've seen other teams like this make big-time trades for a key player like the Vikings last year in the NFL where they were going to be a Super Bowl 
contender and the odds dropped on them with Kirk Cousins coming in and it just doesn't pan out. Usually it's the year after when the chemistry is now formed and you've added some key pieces around them that's the better way to bet them. But we'll see how it plays out with the Lakers. I think they've still got some improvements and players to add. Wish the Nuggets were a little bit longer. I might be might make my first uh, way in advance, yeah. you know, uh, futures bet in a long, long time. I don't like locking money up for a year, but uh, wish the Nuggets were a little bit longer. If you want to head over to DraftKings, they do have regular season win totals already out if you want to do that. And they also have a location of championship winner bet that you can make. There is uh, California. So Warriors, Clippers, Kings, Lakers is plus 180. New York, which includes the Knicks and Nets, is plus 1250. And then any other team minus 167 so if you want to do the location of the championship winner as well so very interesting stuff and again so so many ways to bet the nba even though we are a long time from opening tip off here we'll talk a little bit more about the nba as well some interesting stuff coming out from them about how they are getting into the betting market but first we want to touch base with old Jay Rude, a guy that I have worked with uh, for several years now on some things. And uh, again, vice president of race and sports over at MGM for the longest time. Started out as a ticket writer there, worked his way all the way up to vice president level. Stepped down a couple of months ago from the company to pursue other opportunities and has found himself a landing place. So let's uh, touch base with Jay here. Now joined on the podcast by one of the industry veterans here, Jay Rude. You can find him on the Twitter machine at Jay underscore Rude. Several, several years. Jay, as the vice president of race and sports at MGM, you decided to make the move. Tell everybody where you landed and how difficult a decision it was to to kind of go about this whole career route. Uh, yeah, so um, I teamed up with uh, David Wang and Clinton Singleton at BetWorks. Um, a pretty exciting uh, venture that they've got going on. It's going to be a uh, a play with a uh, service provider and uh, as a technology provider for people, uh, operators uh, in the casino business or uh, maybe track operators or anyone that's got a gaming license in a jurisdiction that is going to pass race and sport. Um, we're you know we're here to help them navigate the the regulatory process and, and to uh, get been running and uh, sort of white label them in, in the race and sports world to be able to give them something that they can offer their guests there. Um, and uh, you know, I've known Quentin for a while. I've worked with David back in the days uh, at NGM when he was working with uh, Mikulich at the in, in the interactive business that we had going at, at NGM. Um, it was kind of just a, a good fit between uh, some guys that know each other and, and respect the work and um, it was a nice place to land after after the departure from MGM. You know, we became, became apparent that uh, you know what I wanted to accomplish in the in the uh, racing sports industry and the areas that I wanted to be involved in. I might know with what MGM they are doing with GVC uh, partnership. So it was just that the, the time was right for me to to go a step away and uh, and him to continue down the path that. They, they're going and for me to find a new adventure and, and this fit the bill. Yeah, the, for people who don't know, BetWorks has already partnered up with the score that is based out of Canada. The score is going to launch over there in New Jersey uh, fairly shortly. So, I mean, you do have a big brand as a client already on board. So what, what exactly will you be doing at BetWorks? 
So what I'll be doing is, um, you know, we're going to be pricing the models and we're going to be uh, advising the customer on what they want to be uh, offering to look like. So with the score, we're going to uh, sit down and understand, you know, how extensive of a menu of offerings do they want. Do they want to focus mainly on, uh, you know, American sports with a, a little bit of lean towards, you know, some high-end soccer and tennis and, and, and dabble in, uh, you know, some of the, the more traditional European sports a little bit, or do they want to, you know, full-blown sportsbook offering that looks maybe something like a, an offshore product. And, uh, you know, we're in the middle of those discussions to, to design their offering. <clears throat> um, you know, the score is actively building their own front end, which will API into the back end of the, the bet management system that, that BetWorks offers. And, uh, I, you know, from what I understand and what I've seen so far, um, that, that's going to be a fantastic front end because obviously, you know, that's what they do. They build uh, apps or they're, you know, extremely uh, sports oriented company. So uh, I think uh, that's going to be a, a very, <clears throat> a very good addition to the, to the sports market in New Jersey uh, from an app standpoint. And so then we'll just help them manage and navigate the, the risk uh, associated with running a sports book. And um, that myself and uh, a few of the a few people that I'm going to put together uh, will be doing here out of, uh, out of uh, actually an office here in Henderson. And, uh, you know, we're actively looking for other clients. That we will be teamed up with a casino operator in Iowa that we hope to have launched with a retail and uh, online product in Iowa before football season. So, uh, yeah, a lot on the plate and a lot to get done before uh, we kick off again this football season. I'm glad that you brought up the whole app aspect of everything. I mean, you, you're you here in Vegas. You and I have had lengthy discussions about the whole app side of things. You and I have traveled together over to New Jersey and seen uh, when you were at MGM, you saw the competition. Now at BetWorks, you see kind of what the what, – what the, you know, you guys are going to be providing what is what's what's good about the BetWorks app? I mean, I, obviously, you guys have had time to kind of digest some things here and maybe take the the best of what's out there and try to get it going and, and maybe get rid of some of the worst that's out there. I mean, I can basically say you can throw all of the Nevada apps in a bucket and, and light those on fire. So um, hopefully you decide you, you guys have done that with any of the features that uh, that are coming out of any of these Nevada apps, because Lord knows they're terrible. But uh, yeah, let, we'll talk a little bit about the app, because obviously that's the future of, of sports betting. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the apps are, are your window to the customer and obviously the better and more engaging you can make that, uh, you know, the, I think the more successful you're going to be. And, um, I think that the BetWorks app, um, is going to have a lot of tools that we're going to be able to engage with the customer, um, in, in a, in a more real time environment. Um, you know, the, the score wants to build their app so that their their existing sports app and their gaming apps are, are able to sort of coexist in the real time world, and their information comes at the same real time pace, both for uh, ga- gambling purposes and for just informational sports information purposes. So, um, I think the biggest win is going to be obviously um, how you manage uh, your offering on the app and the navigation of that. Um, also, you know, the bonusing is going to be critical because this is going to become a, probably one of the more highly competitive business spaces in the United States. And so, um, you know, being able to compete with uh, 
the FanDuel's and the DraftKings of the world is going to be critically important. You know, I mean, I think uh, FanDuel uh, and DraftKings have done you know great job in a short period of time in a space that they weren't involved in you know 12 months ago. So, um, you know, customer acquisition, customer retention. Um, that's what the app is all about. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the Nevada apps, um, you know, have, you know, when they first came out at some of the jurisdictions, they were just, you know, pretty clunky little extensions of, of, uh, of what you would see in a retail space. Um, you know, not, not anything that would be, uh, engaging and keep the customer on their app, you know, probably no, uh, links to be able to go do research to somewhere. That's kind of what I think you're going to see in a lot of them links to be able to see some streaming video. Um, that that's kind of what I think the future is going to look like from, from a, bet, a betting app. And, uh, you know, we're, we're working towards uh, getting a lot of that uh, technology uh, baked into it. And, um, you know, it's still early, early in the process. I mean, we're 12 months into to legalization, you know, in the United States and, um, you know, I mean, that's just, you know, they barely scratching the surface. So I think you're going to see um, a lot more things advance, you know, very quickly as um, more and more competition comes into the marketplace. And, and BetWorks is glad to join that race. So you obviously spend a ton of time in, in Vegas, still live out here. I live out here. We see these numbers coming out of New Jersey, and then we see you know Pennsylvania is going to be getting going here. Uh, the first of their mobile applications is is live. They're going to be rolling out new ones as we go. People speculating, you know, is this going to be a down the downfall for for Nevada? Is this going to be the downfall for Vegas? Are these numbers going to finally uh, get caught up with by the rest of the country and all that? And you know, Jay, I look at it and. I just feel like a lot of Nevada, because they never had anybody to compete with before, that innovation really stalled. I think that, you know, some of the a lot of the stuff we see coming out of New Jersey and Pennsylvania has never been implemented in Nevada with these sign up bonuses and these rebates and these different things and all that. Do you think Nevada is going to come around and do what the rest of the country is doing? Or do you think that everybody's just so stuck in their ways that eventually Nevada is just going to get run down here? Well, I mean, you've got a, a few things working against you here in Nevada. Obviously, um, you know, gambling is the focal point of the majority of the taxation here in Nevada. And, um, you know, with that comes a lot of influence from these operators that uh, own these big box and, and casinos that are spread out all over the state. So they do, uh, you know, wield quite a bit of influence when it comes to regulations. I mean, just the simple fact that you can, you know, sign up, fund, and start betting on your app sitting on your couch in New Jersey um, and never have to step into a gaming facility is a gigantic advantage uh, enabling uh, to get the process going and getting the handle and everything. I mean, I think that's going to, you know, be the difference between, um, why New Jersey's handle jumps dr- dramatically year over year here in, in the next couple of years versus Nevada, if Nevada doesn't allow that process to unfold. And, you know, the reason that hasn't happened is because these operators would like you to walk into their establishment and have to come in and show your ID and be validated in front of an employee. Um, And then possibly, you know, this is their hope is that you go to a a blackjack table or a machine or you go to the bar or you go to dinner and they get some ancillary revenue off of you by walking in there. 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's strictly a play to try and maximize a revenue off of a customer that's interested in a specific product. And um, I think you're just restricting that customer from being able to do the activity that he truly wants to do by forcing him to be physically going somewhere that is completely unnecessary in the, in the world in which we live in, which technology can validate your identity uh, in a matter of seconds and, and have you going towards the activity that you're more, most interested in. Jay, the Cleveland Browns are plus 1,400. They are 14 to 1 to win the NFL championship. I know the Cleveland Browns were always a thorn in your side. Are you, can you actually root for the Cleveland Browns this year? Is this something you can you actually feel good about this Cleveland Browns team? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, depends on how much liability we roll up after we open uh, in, in, with some other clients. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it, it's, it would be good to see the sea the, the of the NFL sort of, you know, turn over and you, you start to see some of these other teams come to the top. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people talked about Patriot fatigue in the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, I... I, I I don't think the Patriots are going away anytime soon. They'll be around, but, it, you know, I would love to see uh, the Browns uh, get into it, but that's going to be a very tough division. I mean, I think Baltimore is going to be an interesting play. If, if Lamar Jackson can, you know, uh, play within himself and, and, and um, you know, kind of do more than what's expected from a running quarterback, um, I think they can be interesting. Uh, Pittsburgh, I don't know what to expect, but somehow they always seem to – to be in the mix and I would, I wouldn't uh, throw them out necessarily. So everyone's trying to hand this to the Browns and make it look like it's going to be an easy year for them. But you know, if they're still the Browns and I don't think anything's ever come easy for the Browns. So um, if, they, if it's going to come for them, they're going to have to earn it. That's for sure. But yeah, it would be good. To, I would love to see Baker Mayfield have a good year. Um, and, and some of those guys that end up there, um, we'll see how all that chemistry comes together. Sometimes, you know, you bring a bunch of those strong personalities in and uh, it doesn't work and it ends up being a dumpster fire. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think they've got a much better shot than, uh, you know, the Jets or the even the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are going to struggle. You know, I mean, they think they found uh, their cure, but it's, it's going to be an interesting NFL season, that's for sure. Well, Jay, I know this has got to be super exciting for you getting to get with one of these new hotshot companies that's going on in this industry that is continually expanding. You're going to be able to offer bets that you weren't able to offer in Nevada. You're going to be able to do all kinds of interesting things over there at Betwork. So uh, I'm sure this is super, super fun for you. And man, we really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Yeah, anytime, guys. Always appreciate talking to you. All right, guys, that was Jay Rude of Betworks. We'll be back in just a second. Brett, that's a pretty good team these Betworks guys have started to put together. Again, you know, another one of these upstart technology companies. They are haven't been quite as aggressive as everybody else, um, but they do have some partners. As Jay mentioned, they just got one in, in, in the Midwest as well. Of course, the score over there in New Jersey. But, you know, honestly, if they're taking their time to make sure that their app is like really good, then I'm all for it because at the end of the day, the app wars is what's going to win this thing for people. I mean, there's going to be uh, marketing dollars put behind it that certainly will do these people some favors. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you have a if you have a piss poor app, then you're just not going to make it. Yeah, look, if you're coming into it 
you know, a year after some of these other books like FanDuel and, and, and DraftKings, you, you want to do it right and enter prepared. And it looks like they are going to be prepared going into the NFL season. And competition is great, man. I'm, I'm excited to see what uh, Betworks and the score and, and some of the other clients do across the country. It sounds like Betworks is going to be uh, a big player all around the U.S. Yeah, very, very interesting. Again, landing a guy that's been a bookie for you know 20 plus years here in Nevada. So, uh, Jay, a lot of you, talent on that team. Yeah, Jay, were you uh, were you surprised when you when you read that Jay was that, that Jay Rude was stepping down? No, I you know with some of Johnny Avello and some of these other guys getting recruited to uh, provide their expertise and experience i don't know his experience in um some of the technology end but as he mentioned the app you know customer acquisition and retention is what it's ultimately going to come down to and about i'm curious on your thoughts as you use some of the apps he mentioned i think like streaming video and and maybe maybe some more content is that is obviously that would maybe keep a, a user on the app if there's if there's more of that and i think when i was in new jersey and i listened to the uh, CEO of the score talk about it. It sounded like that's where they were also trying to drive um, in, in their development of the app is to be able to have those um, abilities and functions and and more content available. Is that what you're you, is that what you want to see, Matt, on some of these apps? Is you because I, 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 I want to see I want to see the the simplicity of being able to get in and utilize the betting applications. But it sounds like they're going to expand more with some of the content or, as he mentioned, streaming video. Yeah, I think that and I think at the end of the day, I think what we're looking at is there's going to be a lot of functions added to these apps that probably don't blow the skirt up of like you and I who do a lot of betting, but maybe is something that Joe Casual finds very interesting. And at the end of the day, Brett, I think you and I have talked about this on several occasions. As this continues to expand into these new markets, it's going to be less and less about the guys who are high volume in, you know, even winning betters. And it's just going to be more about getting more people to sign up and getting more people to utilize these apps. Because, I mean, the casual better is going to become much, much more valuable to these people than than in years past because there's just going to be so many more of them. And so, you know, I get it. I understand all the bells and whistles they're adding. I understand all the things that they think might get someone to choose their app over another app. And, you know, again, that's why I said the app. I called it the app wars. And I really believe that's what it's going to come down to is here is all the shiny toys within our app. And this is the reason why you want to download us as opposed to competitor A, B and C. Yeah, and I think the live streaming is the shiniest uh, of, of those things because uh, you get you not only get customers onto the app, you keep them on the app and betting throughout the entire game. I, I I think that's the ultimate goal here is to get you know one you're able to bet and watch at the same time on one screen uh, and right from your phone. I think that's what the ultimate all, all the operators are, are looking at, and you can see the success of that in Europe right now with the tennis and in golf. You can watch it right on your phone while you're placing bets in game. Uh, it's it's pretty awesome. We mentioned we had more NBA news here, and this is fairly interesting. National Basketball Association and the National Basketball Players Association Pl- Players Association uh, and Highlight Games Limited, that is going to be the provider here, specialist in gaming supplier, announced an innovative partnership with the creation of NBA last 
Last 90. It's an exclusive virtual sports betting game that will utilize actual NBA highlights and footage. NBA Last 90 is going to debut in U.S. and European gaming and lottery markets during the 2019-2020 season. Virtual sports gaming, already popular throughout Europe, allows fans to bet on simulated sporting events powered by a random number generator. NBA Last 90 will feature a vast archive of NBA highlights and footage from the recent NBA seasons and will offer players a unique and compelling virtual sports gaming experience. It says the archive will pull from recent seasons and produce millions of possible outcomes. Brad, I know that you watched the demonstration of what this is, and I believe your comment was this is silly or something like that. I said it's really stupid. <laughs> I think that's exactly I think that's what I said. And it's it's not something I am remotely interested in, but there does appear to be a demand for this type of product. It is popular over in Europe according to what uh, the NBA sent out in a press release. But I mean this is essentially just clicking buttons on a slot machine, right? I mean you're just you're betting on a fake game right that's really that's really all it is yeah there's no research involved there's no i mean it's basically kino or any of these other things that you do i mean jay have you did you see any of these uh, any of these conferences you've gone to have you messed around with any of these virtual sports betting machines I have not, but if, if I'm not mistaken, that's what they have in some of the horse racing, right? Don't they have virtual horse racing um, races that haven't happened, but you can bet on them in, in yeah. the uh, at the uh, tracks where, like Brett said, they're they're similar to a slot machine where you can go and just, um, yeah, there's not there's not much skill in, in analysis of it, but we'll see how this plays out. I've I've read I've read some of the articles that were, have been out in the last uh, 12 to 24 hours about this and and we'll see i again i think it's another way for they're just trying to generate numbers and generate the, the customers to be able to potentially get more information to get them involved in more applications and platforms yeah i mean listen i poo poo stuff like this but at the end of the day there's a lot of people who don't want to put in research and don't want i mean i listen i live in vegas i can walk into a grocery store and someone just went in there and bought like their groceries and then sat down and they start playing slot machines like yes. inside the inside the grocery store so i mean I don't get it, but listen, it's very popular. There's a lot of people who want to be able to gamble without having to do any sort of research and do whatever. So, I, I you know, I, I'm sure it'll do fine. I, I mean, I'm sure it'll do fine. Just no interest from from me. Speaking of no interest, the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement has no interest in allowing sports books to offer the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Of course, that goes down on July 4th every year. They have said no dice on this one. Now, Brett, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't one of the very first things that came out of New Jersey that some of these sports books were bragging about before they launched was how much more they were going to be able to offer and wasn't specifically the hot dog eating contest mentioned as one of the things they were going to offer? Yeah, we wrote a whole article about it, and we <laughs> talked about it for like 15 minutes on this podcast exactly a year ago. So, yeah, DraftKings didn't promise that they'd be offering action on the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, but they made it sound like it was going to happen. Uh, you've got to give them respect. It sounds like they're trying to, to have a market, but I, I'm not I'm not surprised that the gaming uh, that that gaming has shut this down because it seems like this is it'd be so easy for anyone 
to just kind of throw this competition, right? That Yeah, I mean, that's where I was going with this to Jay. I mean, Jay, I totally get this. And, and I I prefer that these gaming commissions err on the side of caution because, I mean, all we need is one quote-unquote scandal for things to really go sideways. And so for me, yeah, I mean, there's like three guys that enter this contest every year that really take it seriously and really have a chance to win. And then the rest of these guys you know, are so incredible long would would be if you were making a market like just incredible, incredible long shots in this. And so, yeah, man, they don't make very much money doing this stuff and whatever. I mean, there's there's the door. I'll put it this way. The door for shenanigans is open. And anytime that's the case, I'd prefer them just not put it in our legal market because all we need is something to go wrong for everyone to start pointing the finger. You don't think there's going to be somebody that's going to pay off Joey Chestnut <laughs> and say, "Will you eat 72 hot dogs instead of 74? Right, <laughs> right. Exactly. Will you stop exactly on 72? I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, it's just it's like it exactly. And it's like you're going to win anyway. So just like, why don't you keep the number under? You know, I mean, it's like stuff like that. It's just for me. I'm fine with them not offering it. I'm sure it's a bummer for these these New Jersey books, but. Let's not let's not rock the boat too much here, guys. I mean, they're they're pretty liberal over there with what you guys are able to offer in New Jersey. So let's not get too bent out yeah, of shape. Yeah, we we were surprised with the Oscars. I think the Oscars was the biggest biggest surprise. So yeah, they have been pretty like you said, they've been very liberal uh, so far. So uh, I'm not surprised that they would they would shut this one down. But I'm with you guys. I think it's I think it's the that's the smart play at this point. Nathan's could still partner with the sports book, though, couldn't they? Couldn't they say if you sign up for uh, an account with FanDuel, you get a week of Nathan hot dogs or something, right? Could they, <laughs> they, they, they could still get the promotion. <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, yeah, just figure out a way to, yeah, figure out a way to, to do it interesting without actually taking money on the stuff. Now, Sinclair, major media company here, wanted to bring this up just because this is something that is going to be a story over the next 12 months, and this is certainly not going to be going away. Chris Ripley, who is the president and CEO of Sinclair Media, said sports betting is going to be a major tailwind for the company he was talking to shareholders when he said that now Sinclair is a big company they own the weather channel they own uh, ring of honor wrestling they own the tennis channel well they just bought 21 of the regional sports networks from Disney of course Disney acquired those from Fox whenever Fox made the sale of those things and uh, Sinclair is also launching a regional sports network in partnership with the Chicago Cubs if you guys remember very recently the Cubs have come out and talked about putting you know sports books and sports betting kiosks inside Wrigley Field and so there's just this Sinclair company here with these regional networks could be an actual really big player moving forward here Jay now we've already seen a partnership with Fox and there's going to be Fox bet that comes out they partnered up with of course the guys over at bet stars and Sinclair seems to be making no bones about wanting to really really be inside of this realm uh, the quote here from ripley anytime you can add interactivity to your programming and a, and and also skin in the game where people have something at stake the engagement levels go up he says so on the same screen you'll be able to watch and bet at the same time we of course would promote responsible betting but as of today we are not a licensee whether we become a licensee down the road 
is to be determined. That seems like the door is wide, wide, wide open for them to maybe create, you know, some sort of sports betting some sort of sports betting entity that they can run across these regional networks. And man, look, if you are going to launch a sports betting company, I think these regional sports networks, these RSNs is a really, really good place to start because people really only have these networks. If you're a sports fan, you have to pay extra for them. They're part of an extra tier within these cable packages and whatnot. And you are basically almost insured that the people tuning in to watch, you know, team X, Y, and Z or whatever kind of programming you have on that network is fairly in your demographic of, of a sports better. Wow. This is to me, this looks, I, I think the sports betting is ultimately where they're, you know, to book it. it they're, they've got a massive footprint now on the live sports programming. Um, and, and you look at the roster and the, the, the deal I think gives them, if I'm not mistaken, broadcast rights to, a number of professional team team 42 uh, yeah 42 pro and that that's covering mlb um nba so far nhl and and growing i'm sure so it, it looks uh, uh i i don't think there's any question as, as they build it and try to get the engagement they're ultimately wanting to get into the sports betting and the booking end of it as well and that's the the gambling potential is seems like un, unlimited Yeah, Brett, I mean, to me, it seems like, you know, owning the tennis channel, that seems like a perfect kind of place to test market your product. I mean, it's it's a it's a big channel, but it's certainly not like one of your biggest channels or anything with that. It's not, you know, tennis certainly way, way, way behind any of the sports we just mentioned when it comes to viewership and all that. So you even have like a a a channel that you can test all this stuff on with the tennis channel and everything. I mean, I just think Sinclair here is positioned very, very nicely with what they've got laid out and the built-in, I mean, the built-in eyeballs and the built-in potential customer base that they have just by having these networks. Yeah, whether they want, whether whether their ultimate goal is to to have a license or not, they're going to be a huge player just integrating sports betting into these RSNs and making advertising dollars from the books, uh, there's going to be, uh, it, there's going to be a lot of advertising. Once we start to see this, we, we start seeing this expansion across the U S uh, with the online, uh, being legalized. So, um, it, it, Sinclair is, is ahead of the game and, and looking to capitalize and there's, you know, they're, they're doing it right. Fairly. In, I'm fairly interesting here that Fox did launch Fox bet and then, spun off these regional sports networks had they known that you know PASPA was going to get repealed and all the things because you know they were shopping this stuff for for a long time so these deals were trying to get done way before the repeal of PASPA and all that I'm sure had they known how things were going to play out perhaps they might not have have spun these networks off but they did and uh, this is Sinclair is certainly going to be a big player moving forward we will follow this story as it continues to grow, because uh, there's going to be interesting stuff coming out of that. And we talked to World Series of Poker on this podcast, so a quick World Series update before we let you guys go. Michael Mizraki, you know him as the grinder, took down the $1,500 stud high-low event for $142,000. That is his fifth World Series of Poker bracelet. Greg FBT Mueller, you might remember him from the full tilt days back in the day if you were playing online. He won the 10K horse event 
for $425,000. That's actually his third bracelet, but his first in 10 years, first since 2009. Joseph Chong won the 1K double stack, no limit event for $687,000. It's actually Chong's first WSOP bracelet, but this is a guy who's got over 13 million in career tournament earnings. If you might, you might remember if you're a poker fan, finished third in the 2010 main event that was won by Jonathan Duhamel. So one of the one of the more successful players that had never won a bracelet. Well, he has one now. Adam Freeman won the 10K Dealer's Choice event for 312 thousand. The reason we bring that up is because he won the same event last year, which is pretty damn impressive considering. You don't even know what game you're playing whenever you get going here. A dealer's choice means when the button gets around to you, you get to choose the game that's going on. So for him to win two years in a row, very, very impressive. And just that's got to be that's got to be one of the bigger accomplishments we've seen over the years. It's pretty because pretty crazy. You've right? got to know every single game and to win it two years in a row is incredible for a championship event. And you don't know like how the frequency of which game you're going to be playing. Like you don't know. I mean, none of that stuff. It's just it's it is such a fast fascinating event yeah how, how the players choose the games and based on their knowledge of what they think others knowledge of certain yes. games it, it's, it's really fascinating yeah it is crazy and two to win that two years in a row a big 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 feat and then last night John World Hennigan, again, another old school name here, defeated Daniel Negranu heads up in the 10K seven card stud event for 245,000. That is Hennigan's sixth World Series of Poker bracelet. So, Jay, we're seeing some of the some of the big names win some bracelets here as we're about halfway through the series. And, uh, you know, listen, Mizraki. Mueller, uh, Mueller uh, you got Hennigan, uh, Negranu was up for a bracelet again. Chong, one of the more successful players that never won a bracelet, over 13 million in earnings for this guy. So, you know, listen, as as the, uh, they say, what what is old is new again. It looks like that's kind of happening at the World Series. Yes, you're seeing some of the I was kind of watching and interested in the seven card stud championship and how that was playing out with Daniel trying to get his uh, his bracelet. But John Hennigan, a proven winner. And uh, I just my, my comment on the whole World Series is uh, you're seeing some of the numbers continue to grow as far as turnouts. So we talked on previous podcast about the numbers and the, the lines and, and how you want to be registering. But it's really it's just poker the popularity is still there and more than just the Rio and the World Series coverage there's so many other tournaments going around town at and they're getting uh, large numbers to turn out and it's good for the city with everything that's surrounding and the hotels and certainly their prices are up because of all this but when it when it comes to the coverage of poker I think there's more and more of it moving forward and we're seeing the popularity really come out and Brett you know by this time next year in theory we will have Pennsylvania that will be up and running so there will be at least another you know very populous state that has online poker hopefully there'll be some shared liquidity going on amongst the states with all this whole wire act thing hopefully getting cleared up and whatnot so you know we might see of course we're never going to see the renaissance and the boom that we saw starting back in 2003 but i mean you know maybe we get some more people interested in the games maybe we get some more qualifiers because i mean they, they do run qualifiers you know on the legal sites here in the states and and whatnot so maybe you know maybe we see a little uptick from kind of the online aspect as well yeah pennsylvania is a big one and it's important because if they if you know we do get shared liquidity between nevada pennsylvania and new jersey and we start seeing a little more success it might wake some of these other states up surrounding pennsylvania and new jersey and uh 
hopefully get some more states up and running and, and kind of get to at least a you know, fraction of what we were a decade ago. Guys, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You can follow on the Twitter, at the Lines US at PlayPicksUS. If you want to follow us, at FairwayJ, at Brett Colson, and at MattBrownM2. We will be back next week for episode number 59. 59 episodes, Brett. Can you imagine that we made it this long without getting canceled? 59 and the, episodes. And, and your streak is still going, man. I know. You I've, still I've, have I've, not I've, missed one. I've got it going. It is something else. I'll tell you well right done. now. I know. I know. For Jay, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.